So I, I've been very keen to come and uh, preach a little bit more about Ecclesia. Okay, we did that, I mean, it's a couple of weeks ago now and stuff. There's a lot more to say there, but we're just going to bank that for now. There's more to be said because that first message, I don't know, most of you probably would have heard that. And the understanding, you see, being a legislative body that actually get to decree and declare things. So today we were operating in the Ephesians 3.10 ministry that God has called us to do, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made, made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Today we set an order in the spiritual over our lives and speaking it out over the city. That's what legislation is. We'll get to more of that. But today is Pentecost Sunday. And last year, it was on the 24th of May, and I spent a lot of Saturday just listening to stuff and the whole into Saturday night preparing and just doing stuff. I sent that, or I recorded the voice note at about 2 o'clock in the morning last year. And then I sent it to you at like half eight, 9 o'clock the following morning. Because I thought, I'm not going to now preach it again in the morning. I'm fresh now, sitting in my man cave, and I just did it at like 2 in the morning. I guarantee you last night, I went to bed early. I played a hockey match yesterday. My body's sore, so I had a good sleep, but I woke up early. But today is Pentecost Sunday. But we say, yay, but we don't really kind of fully know what that meant and what it is and what Jesus and the Father are actually wanting to tell us and show us through these rhythms and the cycles that He's given to His people. And I just want to touch on this quickly, and I want to speak about what I feel God is saying to us at this time um, and what He's, what he's showing us as, a, as, as an eldership and as for a people that gather yet together. You see, there were three primary feasts. That the, that the Israelites operated and worked with. The three primary feasts were the Passover, which is Easter to us. The second thing is Pentecost. And then the fourth thing was the Feast of Tabernacles. Sorry, the third thing. And there are sub-feasts that fit into the seven feasts that are the rhythm of every year. They would follow through this rhythm every year. So you get the sub-feast of the unleavened bread. You get the first fruits that's around Passover. It's all that season that's in the, the springtime. Then you get to Pentecost. Then you get the Feast of Trumpets that comes later in the year, September, October, and you get the Day of Atonement. That day is regarded as the most holy day on their calendar because they are preparing themselves for holiness. So that's the one day that the priest would go into the temple and he would go into the holy, oh, sorry, in the tabernacle, into the holy of holies. And if things went right, the bells on his cloak would start shaking, and then you wouldn't hear the bells anymore because he's now not alive anymore, because he faced the glory of God. That's how powerful that day of atonement was that led up to the Feast of Tabernacles. You see, the whole knowing this, this, this time and these rhythms of these feasts were known as God's appointed times. Okay, so that's very important. God lives outside of time, as many of the speakers at Gordon's memorial yesterday said. I have three minutes, but God lives outside of time, and Gordon's outside of time, so I'll just keep talking. I'm like, okay, well, you prepare the lunch, pal. That's good. Okay, so he lives outside of time, but he sets rhythms for us to follow. See, remember the unforced rhythms of grace. There are rhythms in our life. This rhythm of coming together as the ecclesia every Sunday is a very important rhythm. If you don't have rhythms in your life, you're scatterbrained. All over the place, a little bit here, a little bit a little bit there, and you look over 10 years, you've actually gained no ground because a little bit of everything, but you've gained nothing. Yeah. Amen? Okay, so the spring feasts, okay, which is the March-April time, which is Passover, unleavened bread, the first fruits, okay, was a dress rehearsal for the first coming of the Messiah. So Passover, when they put the, the blood on the door frames and the angel of death passed over and all the firstborns were killed with that not protected by the blood it's a dress rehearsal for the first coming of the Messiah. Okay? And that's unleavened bread and first fruits falls all into that. You see, Yeshua, Jesus, is the bread of life. The first fruits is a prophetic of Christ's death and resurrection. He laid his life down, Paul says, as a first fruit for us. And then he rose again so that we can all reap the benefits of what he has done for us. Then you get the fall, September, October feasts. These are the dress rehearsal for His second coming. There's coming a day. There's coming a day. Whether we're alive or not, we will all be in witness and see this moment. Where the King of glory, where it says, what is it, written on His tattooed, or it's not tattooed, it doesn't say tattooed, crikey, it's written on His leg, 
but it might be a tattoo. That just blows everyone's theory about tattoos off the door. It's not a tattoo. Okay, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, with a sword coming out of his mouth, his robe dripped in blood, the warrior King Jesus is going to return and rule and reign for all his people. Wow. I, I just love that whole concept. It just gives me hope for today. Woo, man, come on. This is a dress rehearsal, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement. It's all preparation for them. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a reminder. Okay, they built booths and reminded themselves of the wanderings that we had in the wilderness. And on the top of their homes, you would see they built these booths and they would sleep in there at night. Or they'd actually just um, gather together and share and speak. But the point is that they'd lie there and be able to see the stars at night to remind them that we were in the wilderness for 40 years. Okay? And the first harvest that would come around this time in the springtime and the land that the Lord had promised to them as His people, they were now being thankful for that they were living in it. And I'm reading so much about the land, the land of Israel. We, we're going to go on a journey and understand that a little bit more here as a people. Because a lot of people think, well, what's the big, what's the big fight? What's the big hassle? There, there's a lot at stake when it comes to recognizing what happens in the nation of Israel. And, and if we don't understand that, there's two things. You're either ignorant or you're arrogant as the church. And you're like, ah, oh, please, man. Or I don't know what's going on. We're going to help you. We're going to help you understand the realities of, do you know that Israel has never, ever in all history gained territory of the whole portion of land that God spoke to and gave to Abraham? Because it's quite clearly marked with Abraham. It gives the rivers. It tells exactly you can mark the land up. Never have they ever covered that full land of territory. So it means it's still coming. And I think Jesus is going to rule and reign. Hey? Amen. Okay? And these, these festivals, feasts, were okay, instructions for observing the sacred feasts as they were given by Moses in Leviticus 23. Okay, and we understand the Passover is redemption, it's the blood, the unleavened bread. Pentecost, okay, which we are now celebrating today. Actually, the Jewish calendar celebrated it last week. So there's this mix-up. We I was kind of like, what's wrong here? I mean, like everyone, I'm on these WhatsApp groups or signal groups with people from all over the world. And hey, happy Passover. I'm like, no, that's next week. It's like, I know, well, that's right. We, we work on the Gregorian calendar, which is not the Hebrew calendar. Is it today? But it started last week. You see, there we go. So it's all this like, okay, happy Pentecost. We're there, okay? Let's not get confused. Understand the rhythms, okay? So the release, the Pentecost, the whole point of this, so you see the Passover, they flee Egypt. They plunder Egypt. They take all the gold. I mean, I love that. They take everything. And then they go into the wilderness. And they march and they wander and wander. And for 50 days, seven weeks, Pentecost means weeks, seven times seven, 49 days, they got to this point. And then that's the day on the 50th day where Moses went up on the mountain and the law was given. And the lightning and the thunder and the fear that struck the people because of what was taking place up on top of that mountain. Okay, this is the power of Pentecost. Where Jesus and what, what, the Father's heart, these are the reasons for it. It was to release blessing on the earth. So we, ex, we approach Pentecost with an expectation that God is going to be doing something. I don't believe God works outside of these rhythms anymore. I still believe He's flowing with this rhythm. And we need to kind of, this is where the ignorance of the church is like, well, it's a more like a Jewish thing. And Israel, it's us, His people. We've been grafted in, okay, to the main vine. Yo, there's a lot of hecklers here this morning, eh? I think, I think I'm onto something. Okay. It's particularly this corner. So if you guys want to also make a noise. Okay, just go like, rah, rah, rah. Not good. Not good, guys. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, Exactly. I'll, I'll get to that now. I'll get to that now. Okay? So the law was received at that time. Thousands of years ago, the teachings of God was given to His people as a foundation for them. Okay? If we look into the new covenant now, 
Okay, Jesus died on the weekend of Passover. And 50 days later, he was with them for 40 days. And he said, wait. Hey, come. Just wait. And they went in the upper room for 10 days. And the Spirit of God fell on them and changed everything. And unfortunately, as a charismania, we've looked at Pentecost Day as a day for chaos. And yeah, it has. No. It's a day of an empowering, of understanding of what he was doing from one covenant to another covenant. Sure, there's gas in this room this morning, man. <laughs> Maybe come to another finance report. I don't know if that was it, eh? <laughs> Maybe we should take up another offering. Huh? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. So this was, this was a dramatic occasion, okay, where God was speaking to his people. Okay, he, was the poor, he pours out his power. There was a revelation of when he did, he poured out his power on the mountain with Moses. He poured out his power on the disciples, 120 of them gathered. He pours out his blessing. And all of this and the blessings of the Holy Spirit were poured out to equip and empower with gifts for his people to be able to be relevant in society today. Okay, it's not about a big blowout in church on Pentecost Sunday and lay hands on everybody. It's a recognition of an understanding today. And this season, heaven recognizes as the rhythms He's given. And what was it called? I said right in the beginning, it was said, God's appointed times. So look what's happening in the world. These, this Passover, Pentecost, and it's quite interesting how today was the words that were coming. It's a new day. It's very, it's, it feels God speaking afresh to us. And it's not only just like because the, the live feed is on the back that we can carry on and no one's watching us. Well, not many we're watching anyway. That's why we stopped it. <laughs> Okay, but the reality is God is speaking and it's the power of the season that we're in and he's preparing us for greater things to come and getting beyond our little worlds and our own little insecurities and saying, arise my people, I'm about to do unprecedented things in unprecedented times. That's a great word, Simon. I love that. Woo, gets me going, gets me excited. You see, it's the spirit of God within us now, not at a distance with Moses that looked and saw his glory and everyone else looked on and he had to cover his face because they couldn't look at him. We now, with unveiled faces, behold his glory and are being transformed and changed from glory to glory to become more like Jesus every day. The sanctification process is rolling out in our lives every day. Do we get it right? Yes, we do. Do we get it wrong? Yes, we do. But we keep pursuing. We keep going. And as God's saying to us. Amen? And then, obviously, the Feast of Tabernacles is speaking about when the king is going to return. Okay? And, and God's glory will dwell with his people. Okay? There's a great song that I've come up through with all these calls that I'm on about the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem that's not built by man's hands, but it's his city that's going to rule and reign in. And we are going to be his people. And he is going to be our God. And he's going to come and tabernacle with us. Now there's evidence of that's already being restored by what Jesus has given us. That we are already his dwelling place by the Spirit. But if Jesus ruled and reigned and he was our king, literally on earth, that's a very different tabernacling. We are tarrying. We are waiting. We are walking. We are trusting. We are believing. We are of courage. We never give up. Because of what Jesus has done, we have the tabernacling of God with us, but there's a greater portion to come. Amen? All right. And this is the picture, folks, of full restoration. This is God's heart from the very beginning. Restore. Restore His people. Restore. Restore. Trust me. Trust me. He keeps building. Keeps building. You know, at this conference, the guy said one thing. He spoke about creation. You know, one day, one to six, and day seven, God rested. And he spoke how each day, the capacity for creation to handle what it was kind of built and built and built. So he didn't give the, uh, make the animals and then say, oh, grief, I've got to make the sea and I've got to make the land now. He did it in order. And he says the sun and the stars, and he said the stars were set in place. And he says 4,000, 4,000 years before Jesus came, he set a star in place that at that specific time, the wise men would see a star in the sky. I'm like, whoa. Like God don't miss a beat. 4,000 years ago, the perfect timing, the star would arise. All this, I mean, he just plucked it and put it in place when he needed to. But I kind of more lean towards, he knew right from the beginning. 
and he just created and set it in order that it pulled out the perfect plan of restoration, redemption for his people. And we are redeemed. We are restored people. And he keeps building deeper and deeper into us. Amen. So that's just a very good introduction, okay, that you guys were very excited about. Okay, and I want to tie this into what I want to say and what I felt God saying to where we're at as a people. I know I shared in November last year about those nine dreams that I feel were quite pertinent to what God is saying to us in this hour. All the things that He's doing, the, the church arising, I might just address that again at some stage to kind of look at those things. They've really spoken to me to give me context to all the chaos that's going on in America and all the, there's, you know, there's so much, I mean, there's war in Israel. I mean, it's, it's chaos. The world is in chaos. But yet, our God reigns. And we hold into that truth. And we've got to, we've got to me, as a leader and as an eldership here, I think my biggest thing is to be on the pulse of what you're saying, God, what you're doing. Because we've got to help our people. We've got to kind of rally together again. So I want to read 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to draw on a few things from this chapter this morning. And I feel I want to read the whole chapter. Okay? Because we can never dispute the Word of God and say, Ah, oh, it's too long. No, it's not too long. Moses, the whole book of Deuteronomy was basically Moses talking to the people. So if you one day, I can read the whole book of Deuteronomy to you, and we'll see how long that'll go. Let's do like an hour and a half of worship, and then a two hours of reading, okay, through that whole book. So open your hearts. Let the Word of God speak to you. I want to ver- read from verse 3, and the, 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1 from verse 3. It says, born again to a living hope. And it said, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, I want you to listen to this key word here. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, just park that line, genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It always produces something of a greater understanding of who Jesus is to us. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were, that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced that you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. That paragraph is basically saying the prophets spoke of his coming a long time before. And it wasn't for them, it was for you who are now witnessing this. You've seen him in the flesh. Some of you haven't seen him, but he is the Christ, the risen one. And that line, things in which angels long to see. Wow. I just want to read you something on that. In the Passion Translation, he's got a note that he speaks about this. He says, on that He says here, the gospel containing wonderful mysteries that even the angels long to glimpse of. This is what he says in his commentary. Heavenly angels are fascinated by God's mercy shown towards us. His wise plan of making former rebels into lovers mystified the angelic realm. The church is the universe of angels and every believer as a professor. (laughs) Angels long to peer into the mysteries of God's grace which has been lavished upon us. How much more should we be fascinated explorers of the mercies of God, for we have received it and are now redeemed. And he refers to Ephesians 3, 
verse 10, that through the church the manifold wisdom of God is made known to rulers and authorities. That's the demonic and the angelic. They are fascinated by His mercy to us. And they gaze and look into it. And that we just, uh, no, it's fascinating. Verse 13, therefore, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. There's a word I want you to hold. Sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He was called you, but, but as He who called you is holy, you are also holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on Him as, as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last time for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, here's another one I want to take note of, for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God, for, and he recites now from James, or sorry, from Isaiah, he's citing from Isaiah 40. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of, uh, sorry, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. But the Word of the Lord remains forever. And His Word is the good news that was preached to you. There's a few key words there. The testing, the genuineness of your faith, being sober-minded to set your hope fully on the grace, and that you would have sincere brotherly love. I just want to help on those things there quickly. We have been on, no doubt we've been on a journey in this last year with all that's happening. I must say coming back, to meetings in these last, how many we had? Six weeks, seven weeks of meetings. It's been very different from what it was last September when we came back together. Which shows we're in a different place. Which shows we face different trials. Which shows we are walking through stuff. And we have been jaded by what's going on around us. We've, there's been traumatic times. I've spoken to a lot of people. It's been traumatizing of what we've faced and what we've kind of dealt with. Some are... Um, some we haven't seen. I haven't seen some, some for a long time. Some people are not communicating with us. Some are carrying heavy burdens. And life for some has just gone on. Yeah. We're all in different places. Okay, we can't measure my life according to your life. We're all dealing with things differently in different kind of ways. We have to understand that. We can't look at it as if we were in the same place. So this season, uh, you know, we chatted in our staff meeting earlier in this year, and Joe had said something about it's a clean slate for us. And I kind of pondered on that. Yes, it's a clean slate, but I feel we've got to a point where God's saying it is a clean slate of how you do and how you go forward. Well, there's a number of practical things we're trying to roll out and speak to us and to kind of work on. And I think there's a redefining, and it feels like a rebuilding of this community. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's times and seasons, okay, and how many times did Israel wander and drift from God and He built back into them and built them up. I'm not saying, but we have wandered. That's what's happened. And this gathering slowly together is coming us and bringing us back together. It's, it's a redefining and rebuilding what God has been saying to us. And He's been speaking very clearly, I must admit. This year has been very clear what God's led, led and spoken to us as a leadership about where we're going. And that unfolds. We can't just drop it all on you at once. We take you on a journey, and we go together as God's speaking to us. So one practical thing is a database, okay, of who's who in the zoo. And we've been working in the background with regards to this to try and correlate WhatsApp to the emails to all sorts of stuff, but we just feel it's a clean slate. We're going to start again. And so you will get, a, in due time, a registration to fill in all your details to know that you're part of this community. It might sound 
insignificant, but our communication is going to be clearer going forward with regards to emails, linking to our website, and with regards to WhatsApp. So there's a, just a conformity that happens there. Don't overlook administration. Do you know that administration is one of the gifts of the Spirit? And unfortunately for you, it always comes up number one for me. Administration. So that the house is in order. So that you know you are part of this body. And it's not by filling in a form going, okay, I'm connected. It's your heart, but we connect with understanding administrationally in hearts, okay? The way we do church is going to look a little different going forward. We, we have our rhythm here, and there are times and seasons that we do these things to be able to accommodate where we're at. So we as an eldership chatted on Thursday morning, and what we're going to be doing from the beginning of June, we're obviously going to gather here on a Sunday morning. We'll have some worship together. There'll be a short exhortation, but we are going to break into smaller groups, and we're going to just talk to each other, and we're going to just hear each other's voices. And we're going to just, you don't have to speak, but I'm telling you, you will be encouraged in a smaller context. Yeah. So people can just hear where you're at, and we can pray together. We can hear God's heart together for each other. And, the, and, and you're going to say you're in group four, you're going to go back to group four every Sunday. And you're just going to journey with the same people, and hearing stories, hearing hearts together. And it's going to be an administrational nightmare, but it doesn't matter. Okay? And we'll do that for as long as we feel we need to. Okay? Because we need to connect. We need to hear each other's stories. And I know I haven't been able to talk to all of you, but the people that I have spoken to, this year has been rough. And there's no been plain sailing. People have faced death. People have dealt with death in their families. People have dealt with loss, with jobs and income. We're not playing games here. This is the real deal. And then you sit and you get to talk to nobody and you can't process. This is the best place the best place for you to process and talk and just to be together with God's people. Because the foundations of that whole thing are Acts 2.42. That we gather together, they had the apostles' teachings, they had fellowship, there was prayer, and then there was breaking of bread. That was the union together, that was the foundation of everything that they did, and then they went to their jobs. They went and did what they needed to go and do in society. So that's what it's going to look like, okay? Starting from the beginning of June. We're going to change the rhythm a little bit. And we're going to have groups all around the hall, and we'll move on to that. Okay, we have stopped the online feed. Uh, I was starting to get uneasy with our online feed. And I don't, I don't, and the whole thing is I was typing that message in WhatsApp to you on Thursday, whenever it was. You see, it's so easy to conform with what everyone else is doing. Now, if you go, every church nearly has got an online feed. Because I get it, we're trying to cater, we're trying to serve people, we're trying to work that way around, but what it created for me was people looking in with judgmental eyes. Honestly, and I could feel it. And, I, and through comments that I've had from different people, and this, that's why I said to you at the end of the message, do not fall into the trap of cynicism and criticism. So I was, I was listening to this clip, I mean, I don't get to clips and listen to stuff easily, but I'd had it open on my browser on my phone for months and I saw it on the one day and I thought let me just watch this it was 18 minutes long and it was a group of leaders Bill Johnson Cheon I think and some other guys whatever and Bill Johnson was speaking about in paging through this Christian magazine and there was the, all these conferences you know when you have a conference now you get all the photographs of all the people that are going to speak and he says he didn't feel anything but it was like it was an indifference towards these guys Ugh, whatever and he put the magazine down, and he felt God said to him, pick that magazine up, and I want you to look at the people. And I'll get to this with the brotherly love thing. And he said he opened up that first page, and he looked at this advert for this conference, and he looked at the photograph of the one guy, and he felt God say to him, stare at that man's photo until you feel the pleasure of God on him. Because we have indifference. So we look at people and go, oh, please, man, I don't know what they're doing. Anyway. Or just, or like, whatever, like nothing. But we're brothers and sisters. Like, we're going to be in heaven together one day. And what are you going to apologize there for all the things you said about them? It's too late. It's too late. They won't even know, and you won't even remember probably, so who cares? But there's a point of being the example here on earth. And so we're just going underground for a little while as a community. And, and register, come rather. Be here as the people of God. 
and we gather together. And that, that whole online thing is conforming to what everyone, oh, we must just go online now. Yeah. No, we've been transformed in, inwardly, rather. And God's working on us in that way. And maybe in due time, that kind of thing will open up a little bit. Because also, a lot of interest in the beginning, but like everything, yeah. there were maybe four or five people that were on, on a Sunday morning. Then those people can actually make the effort to come to church, rather. Okay? God has spoken to us very clearly about the next seven years in this community. And we're in this seven-year cycles, if we've looked at it. And there's things we've spoken about as the leaders, about prayer and the foundation of prayer that's going to be rolling out to you more and more. And it's going to, it's going to ask of your commitment. It's going to ask of your buy-in together to not on your terms go, ah, I don't feel like it, because you committed to one another. It's going to be a tighter knit. We'll show you some more. We'll speak more of that. But I believe the season we're in here, and I felt, God, what is this? I've been feeling a disconnect from the people, okay? And it's not, no, it's not, it's not a, a physical, like, hey, I haven't seen you kind of stuff. It's a spiritual tension. I'm like, God, what are you doing with us? What are you doing? And I really felt him swaying me very clearly last week. The season we're in, and we got words speaking, you see, of affirming us right now. We are in the valley of decision. And, and when we look at God, you see, He's a loving Father, but He's also the judge. That's right. And He uses these times and seasons that He works in appointed times to see who's up for more. Yeah. 1994 was a time when He poured out His Spirit across the nations of the world. No one could explain, no one could figure out what He did, but all of a sudden in the most um, um, traditional kind of churches, people were falling over and laughing. And the pastor was like, Wilfred, I didn't do that. I didn't create that. It was just happening. God just poured it out. But it, be, it led to a valley of decision. Are you going to run with this? Or are you going to stick to what you know and you be in charge rather? We're exactly at that point again now. God's using this time to get our attention. And the feeling you're feeling... And what I've, what I've been feeling of these last weeks is a holy dissatisfaction with where you're at with God. Because the point and the reality is you will never be fully at that height where, oh man, I'm just a brink away from heaven and stuff. You will always be pursuing God from this place of earth. You will never know it all on earth. You will always be, He will always lead you to pursuing more and more and more of Him. And we're in that season right now. I think it's a global thing, honestly, but we as a community need to respond and say, God, we're up for more. And it's not about now what it looks like going forward. It's just the decision in your heart you make. Say, yes, we want to pursue more. And the holy dissatisfaction that you feel and this tension that you're feeling is he's wooing you, he's drawing you, he's pulling you closer. It's like he just backs off slightly and goes, actually, the picture that I always think of is at the end of those Matthew videos that a guy did years ago, and they, they reenacted and they did the, the book of Matthew, and it ends with Jesus walking up this hill, like this, and he turns around and he says, come, follow me. And he's walk, he walks away and he, and he turns around, it just hits my heart every time. That's the picture. He walks away from us a little bit and says, well, come on, catch up with me. Come on, I've got, we've got so much in store. You know what, you know what's over this hill here? Woohoo! It's exciting. And that's the picture. And not you just saying, oh, well, let's make camp, brother. Let's just settle here. It's actually, I'm actually okay here. And you become okay with this holy dissatisfaction. Instead of saying, I'll, I'll pursue you. I will follow you no matter what the cost is. And that's where we're at. And you can feel it. You can feel the difference. There was a, I don't know if it's Pentecost Sunday, but there was a difference in the room because God is positioning us. Okay, for what He wants to do through us as a community and the ecclesia on the greater scale of this nation and we've been positioned to be a part of what god is saying and what god is doing okay um as i say it's a valley of decision many have decided that the bay is not their home anymore in this last season that's okay many have decided that the bay will be their spiritual home in this coming season but you know what don't live in limbo yeah. Yeah. don't live in the in-between like oh, i'm not so sure and, people, and, and I'll, I'll say this over and over again. Don't make a decision in the midst of all the chaos. Allow to settle. And then from the place of peace, make a decision. And people have made decisions that they don't want to be part of this body anymore, but they haven't moved anywhere. 
but it's, it's, it's an emotional thing they're feeling and they don't know what to do with it. Walk it out. Walk it out. Walk it out. Listen to me carefully with that because if you, you disconnect yourself, it's a slow process to becoming lazier and lazier with the things of God. I've, I've been in the bay for 28 years. The number of people I've seen come and go is normal. The world is a very transient place. The number of people that would be part of the bay that live overseas now is, I don't know, it's probably in the hundreds. Honestly, it's plenty of people. But you know what? The number of people that walk away and go nowhere. The enemy has lied to you. Don't fall into that trap, folks. Listen very carefully. Because it's a slow little fall away. And it just drifts. And before you know it, six months go by and you're like, I don't need church, man. I'm doing fine on my own. Well, 2 Corinthians 10 says they judge themselves by themselves. And you measure yourself by yourself. You're always doing fine on your own until someone says, hey, where are you at? And you feel a, ooh, I'm not actually up with, ooh. That's community. That's what it does for you. Okay. So there's a valley of decision. But as I say, don't fall into limbo. And it's a season now where it's felt like today was like a, like a wake up to us. Like you could feel, boom. We've got to wake up to what God's doing in this hour as we make those decisions. Because there's been a slumber on the people. There's been a slumber of just this, we're okay, but there's this awakening, like, phew, God wants to use us. We can't see what's all going to happen. I mean, I was looking at notes that I'd made at the beginning of 2020, you know, and we were saying, there's something coming. Yeah, little did we know. There's something coming, but you must remember, God is using all of this. He's using this time and the season of exposing the things of the enemy over and over and over again. I'm, I'm realizing more and more, I thought it had been quite difficult to kind of differentiate and try and understand like the Antichrist. Is he going to be so subtle that we're not going to like even recognize it? And we're going to be, I'm like, it is so obvious right now. Like the decisions that are being made in America and what's playing out and the whole hatred towards Israel. Like, can we not just like be more plain and clear? It's obvious. The way things are and the way playing out. So anyway, I haven't really preached of my notes here this morning, but I'm, okay. But I want to touch on this one thing here quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those, those few things. This, we are in a season of genuineness testing of your faith, whether it's genuine or not. Okay. Refined by fire. Okay. That's very important. Be sober-minded is basically get your head in the game. Awaken and arise. And brotherly love, like I was saying, he's looking at that picture. We should be able to look at each other and feel the pleasure of God on us. Not uh, <laughs> indifference, please. It's, it's, it's from the enemy, that stuff. And the brotherly love we feel for one another is the thing that the world looks at and goes, they know him by the love we have for one another. It's crucial, folks. It's crucial. And you need to repent of cynicism. You need to repent of criticism. And walk away from those, those, those terrible, subtle things that creep into your heart and take root. And that's when you make a decision, you know what, I don't feel, and God said I need to move on. You know when people say God said to me, I can't argue with God. Yeah. Okay, if God told you, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to argue with that. Okay? I want to just touch on four things here quickly. See, we are in a time and a season okay, when the truth is being lambasted and basted and these four words here that understand and bring a context to how we live for God origin so if you don't know I used this yesterday at Gordon's memorial oh, sorry celebration okay if you don't know the context that God is the creator of all things and he and all origin begins with him okay that's the first point of acknowledgement of there's a greater power, and He is God, Father Almighty, that created and spoke everything into being. It's answering, where do I come from? What's the point of this? Which perpetuates the next part of, what is my purpose here on earth? What am I here for? If you can't answer origin, and like where I come from, the whole point of your purpose now is also like, well, if I don't know where I come from, I don't know what purpose I'm here for, they don't answer that question. You're left with this lingering kind of like nothingness of what's the point to achieve. So in the modern world, we pursue a career. And it gives us purpose. 
and we make lots of money and we feel we have purpose. Your purpose is rooted in Almighty God. And here's the next thing that happens, that when you don't understand your origin and you don't have the purpose of God's life, the way morality plays out, there's no foundation to it. So the value system and the way things work out are basically all measured upon, I feel today I'm a girl. No, I'm just giving you the hard facts here. This is the facts, not the faith. But the world is doing that right now. Okay? Okay, let's just, that's what's happening. I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel we need to, and it's all based on an emotion. All based on, I don't feel like, I mean, I can't give a, sorry? Yeah, it's connected. That's exactly it. But you see, all the legislation stuff in governments today are all based on, we don't feel that's right. And it's based on political stuff because of pressure, what's happening, but it's not based upon an origin or based on a purpose. It's based on we don't feel that's right. You see? And it's emotion. And I've told you a hundred times here, emotions are not truth. Okay? They're just there to help you feel something. But you root that feeling in Almighty God, you grow and you understand the process of stuff. And then when you understand the origins, your purpose, and your morality that plays out through a value system called the Word of God that we base everything on, because right at the beginning he said male and female, I created them both. And if we really look at Noah, they didn't bring in three animals of one kind, they brought two, male and female. It's all there. If you get those right, you start understanding your destiny. And you know where you're going. So the purpose of on this earth and the point of living here, the destiny points forward to the reality of what God's called us as a community, what He's called over mine, over your life, to kind of work and mandate for the things of God and the greater destiny and the desire and what we live for one day is knowing that Jesus will be our King and He will tabernacle with His people. See, the perspective changes when you're rooted in God. When Jesus is the answer to all these things. The world out there right now is do what you want. Value system, good is evil, and evil is good. Abortion, promote it. Let it flow. Don't worry about it. Do what you want to do. Lawlessness. And that is creeping into the church. Sorry, not creeping. It has already crept into the church. People have compromised on the Word of God because of the politically correct spirit, and you don't want to come up with a fight. The disciples, the apostles were always in trouble. I just read in Acts this morning... Don't speak, don't preach. Nah, well, we're not going to preach. We're actually all going to preach anyway. Oh, well, you're putting in prison. The angel comes, lets him out of prison. They all kind of stuff. Where do they find them next morning? Preaching in the temple courts again. Like, whoa, whoa, come back here. We told you not to preach. Well, do we obey God or do we obey man? Yeah, we obey God. Oh, well, stop preaching. Stop that. Naughty, boop, and they went and preached again. You see, there's this resilience in us. You're like, you know what? We're not backing down. We're not compromising because we know the truth. You see, this is this valley of decision this last year has been open to us. You need to know the truth. If you don't know the truth and live by the truth, you will compromise and fall into the trap of the political spirit. See, and God's wanting to build into us and the challenge that He's adding to us as a community and as a people, He's saying, come on, arise. And here's the fallback, and I'll just leave us with this as I wrap up here. And we'll, He says that we are, in this choice to make, different things will come up for you. If you don't respond... To this, I will, I will ask the honest and hard question, are you actually even saved? Are you born again? Of the living word that we spoke about this morning, if there's no desire in you to want to pursue and live for the kingdom of God, have you actually fully surrendered your life to Him? Which would question whether you are a true son or daughter of the living God, because it should come naturally. It should be a desire inside of you to want to live for Him every day of your life. Okay, the questions and the things are going to be, well, you know, you're doing this Christian thing, but it's on your terms. Like, yeah, I'm in charge, yeah. Even with the boxes, the finance, it's not all yours. This life is not yours. Romans 12, I offer my body as a living sacrifice to Him. Okay? That's all, the whole rich young ruler, you know, Jesus said, you know, give it all up. And he couldn't, because he was in control of that process. You see, this is this valley of decision that we're in, okay? You've allowed the enemy to steal your joy. He's come and robbed your faith from you. 
and you've just been going through the motions, and you're like, man, when is this ever going to change? There are seasons of wilderness. That's right. You're going to walk through times like that, but the season does always change in God. He's testing the genuineness of your faith. When you walk through, you push through, where faith has become more doubt, and you're wondering, you know, and then you've forgotten the beauty of what it is to live every day by dying the small deaths of surrender. It's little deaths every day that take place in your life of saying no, saying no, I surrender to that. No, I don't need that. I choose you, God. No, I don't partner with those liars speaking about those people. I, no, I won't be part. Little deaths, little bit of surrender every day that I live for the kingdom of God and you deny the gratifications of your flesh. And you don't live from that point. You live because the word we wrote, read this morning says you are holy because I am holy. Righteousness is the gift that's been given to you. And you live from that place. It's not a works thing now. You try harder and harder to get it. Uh -uh. Gift that is given to you. And I'll just leave with this. The, the key with all those folks is the Word of God. Don't stop reading the Word. Read, read, and just read. You know, the hardest time to read the Bible, I'm going to speak to this side of it. They, they're very noisy. <laughs> the hardest time to read the Bible is when you, you're just not in the zone and you're feeling and it's like feels like you're just reading, just read it. Do, do, do I read the Bible to get... Don't stir up the crowds here. <laughs> do I read the Bible to get something out of it? No, I, I read it so that it builds into me. Do you come and be a part of this community so that you can get something out of this place? We don't even give you good tea and coffee anymore. You know? it's, not about, it's not about what you get out of it. It's about what it builds into you. Okay? So that when the season and the tough gets going, and the whole that thing, the tough get going, the tough gets going, the going gets tough, whatever that is. You, sorry, thanks, buddy. It's called reversal. Didn't you get it last week? There was a preach about reversal. Yeah. <laughs> that you've got some stuff to draw upon. So, so I know this last year we've had to dig deep. And all the building it over your ears, it's just faithfulness, you've, you've dug deep. And what's coming now is a refreshing pouring out of the Spirit of God upon us. And He's going to fill you up afresh. There's not a, you get a touch of the Holy Spirit, an encounter, you're filled with Him, but it's an ongoing process of being filled with Him inside of you, that you never stop that. But you've had to dig deep. I can't encourage you more. Just read, just read the Bible. I finished my 365 plan the other day. I was maybe about 60 days behind the action, but I mean, it doesn't matter. Keep up as best we can. There's always other things that I'm reading and trying to keep up in touch with stuff. But I started a new plan. 365, and it reads Genesis, it reads Acts, it reads all the... It's beautiful. The Word can... It's just beautiful. Every time I read it, it speaks to me. And I want to encourage you, don't read it to get something out of it. That's very hard as a pastor and a preacher. Because you're reading and saying, oh God, you're speaking to me about that? Well, maybe it's a sermon. Maybe it's a sermon. You bank it. You can't talk about it. Just read it. Just read. Just let the narrative speak to you. Let it just build into your life. Because I said to you a couple of weeks ago, what is the narrative that's over your life? And when social media and when your friends and the people around you start building the narrative into you, you lose the context of, and you use Sundays to come and feel like I'm right again. The narrative is the Word of God. Just read it. Just speak, just let it soak you. Let it wash over you, okay? And that's the key about being sober-minded. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Um, yeah, unity is key. Here. Just two verses. When the seventh month came, I was reading this upon reading. When the seventh month came, and the children of, this is Ezra 3.1. When the seventh month came, and the children of Israel were in the towns, the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem together. And I love, I love this, this verse here. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place calling on the name of the Lord. And there's another verse here. It says here in Genesis 4, 26, the second part of the verse. And it says, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Like, well, what were they doing before? It lost sight of God's plan from the beginning. That's Genesis 4. That's in the beginning. People began to call on the name of the Lord. Kirsten, you spoke about it there. This is a season. People are going to start calling on the name of the Lord. Amen? I just want to pray over you. Let's stand together. It's a day of Pentecost.
for a refilling and infilling in your heart this morning of the power that He's given us. I know I've said a lot, but this valley of decision that we're in right now, you have to take time this week to say in your, in your heart, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Here I am. Send me, as Isaiah said. Let's just close our eyes, and you can lift your hands if you want to, and we just respond to the Almighty God this morning. Father, we want to thank you that you promised you would never leave us nor forsake us. We know that during this last year, it's felt at times that you're far away from us. And we've bossed, we've questioned, God, where you're at in all this. But we thank you that you always prove yourself strong and mighty. And Lord, we thank you for this day that in the rhythms of your order that you set in place for your people, we celebrate a day when you poured out the great and beautiful law over your people, but then perpetuated by the power of your Holy Spirit, poured out upon the disciples in that upper room that changed the world forever. And Father, we speak over every heart by the power of your Spirit now. Come and fill us. Come and touch us afresh by the power of your Spirit. We drink you in. We, you pour it out on us this morning, Lord, as we open our hearts. Just begin to ask of Him. Say, Lord, fill me up. Fill me up, Lord. Pour it out afresh upon my heart, Lord. Let me get a fresh touch of heaven over my life and over all in my, in my innermost being. Father, come and touch me. Come and fill me with everything of heaven. And we thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness that you promised you are with us. You've sent us that helper, the wonderful counselor. And we thank you, Lord, that from this place of infilling and from this place of empowering, we go out here and be the light. We go and be salt and truth to the world that is longing for truth. Help us to be shining lights in our workplaces this week. Help us to be shining lights at school, at our universities, at our colleges. Every, in our families where there are challenges, Lord, help us to shine the light. And we can only do it from the place of knowing we are filled with the power of Almighty God and all of heaven is inside of us. Christ in you, the hope of all glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you. Let's just hold another minute here. Just, just drink of him. Just drink of him. What's another five minutes to the midst of everything else that's going on? Come on, just drink of him. Pour it out to us, Lord. Pour out your spirit as we acknowledge this mighty, powerful day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray over people now. You're feeling the heaviness. I'll just break those things off by the enemy this morning. Release the power of heaven all over you. Break the lies. Break the chains. Break the bondage. Set you free today in the name of Jesus. Just breathe him in. Breathe him in. Feel that peace just flood your soul this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we honor you. We worship and glorify your mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the living hope. You are the living hope inside of us. And I'll just speak life over you this morning that you go here with power and you go with the light and the love of the Almighty God in your hearts. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen and amen. 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 Have a fantastic week. Amen.